Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. Today, I have with me Ann Hambly and Stephanie Whittington. Ladies, how you doing? Good, thank you. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself and your company, and we'll get right into this. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for including us again, Mark. Um, my name's Ann Hambly, and I'm the CEO and founder of our company, First Service Solutions. And basically, real quick intro, I spent my whole career, 30 years of it, in servicing for commercial real estate. I ran a lot of the large servicing shops over the course of my career, and I was uh, chair of the Mortgage Bankers Association in 03. And in 03, we ran a borrower satisfaction survey, which today is no surprise, but back then it hit us like as a surprise. And we found out that the borrow, the biggest issue commercial real estate owners have is in CMBS and it's in the assumptions um, because it takes forever. So anyway, I created First Service Solutions in 05 specifically to address that issue in the market. My name is Stephanie Whittington. I'm with, I've been with First Service Solutions for about five years now, a little over five years. I've done close to 500 assumptions, work with all owners, owner types, all property types, and all servicers on a daily basis. So that's really what I focus on, assumptions all day, every day. All right. Well, excited to have you both. And for those that are new to the podcast, uh, it's the Multifamily Five, and we ask five questions. Um, uh, trying not to have a whole lot of fluff or sidebar conversations or questions. So let's get into this. Um, it seems as though you know, in today's market, your bread and butter, just based on what you said, is facilitating loan assumptions. So um, if, if you can talk a little bit about what that process looks like and uh, why would an investor hire you to help them manage this process? And, and from my understanding, it's um, especially for an investor that hasn't completed the process is quite the difficult process. Sure. It can be very daunting to the buyers and sellers who haven't gone through an assumption and those who have. I think what it really comes down to is the scale. The whole purpose of underwriting for servicers during an assumption is comparison of buyer to seller. So the whole process is based on that comparison. And when they have a lopsided scale where a seller far outweighs buyer and not really the other way, but when seller outweighs buyer, that's when you see the most difficulties come up during an assumption. And that's mostly why we help the most and the benefit of hiring us is that we're able to see both sides of the equation. We're able to see what buyer has, we're able to see what seller has and quarterback everybody through that process so that there's no black holes. When we see that there's a gap, we can help everybody come together and propose something that would work for servicer, for buyer, uh, for seller to close the assumption and make sure that everybody gets what they want in the end. So the, the, the process overall is the same almost on every single assumption, uh, package, send it in, underwriting, master servicer approval, special servicer approval, CCR approval, rating agency consent when needed, and then legal closing. It's really the comparison and the negotiation of conditions that bog down, uh, I believe, buyers and sellers during the process. And, and this is Anne. Let me just add one thing to that. And that is that before creation of this company in, in 05, 
um, you really only had, uh, and that's why it became such a big issue, is a buyer could only see the buyer side of the equation, a seller could only see the seller side, and, and then they would get conditions or things uh, would come up during the process when um, you only have half of the, uh, the picture. It's hard for you to have a meaningful discussion with the servicer about why it is that they're requiring certain things. So we are the only, uh, I mean, having a firm like ours is the only way to uh, bridge that gap and see both sides of the equation. So we're the only business person in the process that can see both sides of the equation other than the very servicers that you're negotiating with. So that's really the key reason uh, we're hired. Very good. And then other than helping manage that loan assumption process, what other services do you provide? And how are you helping investors? Sure. Oh, well, in um, 08, we probably all recall vividly, but uh, the music stopped and trades were not happening. And um, my phones quit ringing. I was doing assumptions only. Um, but then it started ringing very shortly thereafter with borrowers saying, I can't make my payments. Can you help me? And so we got into the um, sort of by accident or default, excuse the pun, we got into the workout business. So we've, a, a big portion of what we spend our time doing is helping owners that either have a maturing loan, an over leveraged loan, uh, doesn't happen in multifamily, but where you've got a big retail tenant that's closing down a bunch of stores, we help them uh, get hopefully some relief in those kind of situations. We also do um, any other time a borrower needs lender approval for anything. So change of ownership, reserve disbursement, lease, uh, money from their capital replacement reserve, et cetera. We help with all those things. Um, and we also now um, work with some owners to help do uh, surveillance and compliance for their portfolio so that they aren't caught off guard by a notice that they triggered cash management or uh, a notice that um, you know, things kind of hit them that are unexpected. And, and it's not that they're not managing their property perfectly, they are, but it's relative to the loan documents and how those are interpreted and, and managed by servicers. So we help them avoid kind of some of the surprises that happen in that process. You talked a little bit about CMBS assumptions and it's my understanding um, especially working on these types of transactions. Um, they, they take a long time. They're very tedious. Of course, I'm on the front end, front end of the transaction. Uh, but so call it, you know, six, nine, 12 months. I've heard some of these CMBS assumptions taking a very long time. What are the latest trends and topics with regard to CMBS assumptions? Yeah, um, let me let Stephanie address timing first. And then I'll, I'll address a couple of the top trends. And then if it's good for you, Stephanie can address a few things that we see that outright, you know, kill an assumption. So we can cover all of that. Um, Perfect. Time, timing for us is typically 60 days for approvals and an additional 30 days to get to closing, to, to allow for legal documentation and, you know, wrapping up of loose ends. When we're not involved, we hear those same horror stories of five, six months, seven months when rating agency consent is needed and longer even. So I completely understand that people have really large concerns with timing. Unfortunately, we are able to speed that up significantly. 
And the trends we're seeing, which are not, you know, nobody likes them, but it, if every time uh, there's an assumption that a buyer's entering into, we try to set their expectations early on in the process about what to expect. Um, and a couple of things that we're seeing as trends is an absolute increase in the reserves that are held in, in, at the time of assumption. So the current owner may think that the, um, there's sufficient reserves to carry the property through to maturity. And in fact, maybe just has closed this loan a year ago and that's what was underwritten and required. But we're finding with the re-underwriting of the loan at the time of the assumption, the servicer is verifying and making sure that they're comfortable their sufficient reserves for the term of the loan. So a lot of additional reserves being added, um, cash management, if, if, the, if the current owner is managing their own cash and in control of their, of their cash, um, for no, seemingly no real reason, we're finding at the time of assumption, the servicers making the loan cash managed, which if you go even a little further in that, it means that the current owner does not receive any net income from the property and therefore is not able to give his investors any return currently. And, you know, it's a big issue. Um, we're also seeing a definitive trend where the special servicers who are not, um, you know, the master servicers are the um, place where borrowers make their payment. And they're, if you have to pick a friendly uh, group of the bunch, um, master servicers are much more borrower focused than special servicers. Special servicers inherently just work on, you know, defaulted loans and workouts and, and uh, but yet special servicers are negotiating in re regularly the right to do the underwriting for the assumption. So you've got these, you know, workout mindset people now uh, doing the underwriting on the, on the assumption, which, you know, has a direct impact on what we see as a result of that. The issues that Anne just mentioned can certainly kill some deals where buyers aren't willing to negotiate at all. Uh, but the top things that we see just outright kill an assumption when they're requested or required uh, by the special servicers or, or any of the servicers um, really start with uh, <laughs> what we see most actually is an LTV or LTP con um, comparison. So what the servicer will do is look to see what LTV was at origination, compare that to what the LTP would be today, a loan to purchase price, and then look to reserve for that gap. And what they do with that reserve is just hold on to it as a collateral reserve from today all the way through maturity of the loan. And then it sits there just in case the loan can't be paid off at maturity. So as you can see, if there's you know a three million dollar difference or or any difference at all, that really kills uh, returns. It, it kills the um, the the want to move forward, and uh, we've seen buyers just flat out back away and not not be willing to even negotiate on it. Uh, the second thing that we're seeing is a, a trend uh, in foreign investors. Uh, it's not so much in itself a deal killer. But where it is a deal killer is where foreign investors don't have any U.S. assets at all. They don't have any other U.S. real estate. They don't have any cash held in the U.S. They don't have any experience in the U.S. That, that can kill deals. Servicers really want to see uh, some U.S. Uh, base. So uh, U.S. liquidity, U.S. assets, U.S. real estate experience, and all of that. It really, they, they don't count anything held outside the U.S. 
uh, towards their calculation of experience or net worth or liquidity or, or anything like that. And then um, the third is skin in the game or lack thereof and in other terms of crowdfunding. So servicers really want to see or lenders really want to see their guarantors or their control party with skin in the game and the minimum is about 10%. And when they don't, they're looking for um, an increase in skin in the game or ownership percentage so that they can be sure that whoever is calling the shots actually has a, a tie to the deal and um, has some um, recourse for better, for lack of a better term, if anything was to happen. So I heard you touch on one of the things that kill an assumption. I'm not sure if all of those were assumption killers or, or trends. It seemed like the last two were trends. Um, but is there anything you'd want to add as far as what are some of the top things that, that kill an assumption? Yeah, the, you're absolutely right that there is a little bit of a gray area between, well, you know, the trends and the killers kind of all come together. But the things, the ones, the first couple I mentioned, the increase in reserves, usually that doesn't kill a deal because you can negotiate, part of what we do is we negotiate those down to a fairly reasonable level on behalf of the buyer. So you can generally get those resolved. Their, their first ask will make most buyers fall out of their chair, but we can negotiate those. Cash management can be a killer, but there are often ways to work around that. Um, special servicer under, underwriting is kind of a non-event. That's just a, it is a trend to be aware of. The loan to purchase price is absolutely a killer. I think on every single deal we've seen. Um, it, I don't personally uh, we're not seeing it every single deal anymore. There was a time where one special servicer on every deal uh, required that, the, in essence, the buyer sort of buy down, in air quotes, uh, the loan, although you can't pay the loan down, uh, by putting up this reserve to make the loan to purchase equal to loan to value at origination. Which it was is one of the first things they would look at, too. So we would almost pick up the phone and they'd ask us what the purchase price was and make it clear that that would be a requirement to move forward. So that's definitely a killer. And then a lot, we have a lot of people who, a lot of uh, brokers that call us that have a great buyer um, on the surface and they call us and we, we help do kind of a pre-qualification uh, just to see if this can move forward or not. And sometimes frequently now those buyers are, are foreign um, and they can have cash in the U.S., but that's all movable overnight. Uh, it's really fixed assets in the U.S. If they don't have fixed assets in the U.S. that can't be moved, it's pretty much a non-starter. Um, and so that, uh, we've seen many deals sort of not get traction because of that. And the skin in the game can be, a, a, it's a trend and it can be a killer because again, if you had already established probably as a buyer your whole organizational structure mm -hmm. and you knew who was gonna contribute what money to make your deal, and then the servicer says, yeah, but I want, you know, Joe, your brother to own 10%. Well, you know, you may not have wanted that, but sometimes that's, uh, again, something that it, it can, it, you can, sometimes the buyer can work around it, but a lot of times it does kill a transaction. So yeah, there is a gray uh, area between the two, but mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully that, that helped Mark. I don't know. Yeah, that clears it up. So, so I say that this is the multifamily five and I'm not going to ask any sidebar questions, but I had one come to mind. I should actually call it the multifamily five, maybe, maybe six, maybe seven. So here's a, <laughs> here's a sixth question. 
What, what is your typical client profile? We have um, anywhere from large institutional clients where we take them through, they're going getting recapitalized and they have a, you know, 40 loan portfolio and all 40 loans need approval. Um, we we, we uh, work with many institutional clients like that. We also have a few people that we work with where, you know, they have just a few CMBS loans and this, or this might be their first one. And so we help them through that. But I, I'd say our, our clients range anywhere from large institutional, you know, and large REITs that you would know to, you know, someone maybe with just a few assumptions under their belt. Mm -hmm. So, it, and I know that's not a very clear answer, but that's the honest truth. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, that's great. I think the majority of the listener base is probably those that are looking to do their first deal or, you know, maybe they've acquired, you know, two to five properties. Um, but, you know, assumptions are, I think, going to become <clears throat> more of a, just more common, um, especially as interest rates continue to rise. So very great information. Uh, what is the best way for the listeners to get in touch with you both? Uh, two, two ways, really. Um, let me say number one would be our main line, which uh, Monday through Friday during the day is, should be always answered. It's 817-756-7227. And I should have been clear, it will always be answered, but it, might, it should be answered by a live person during the day. <laughs> that should, should have made that clear. So 817-756-7227. And also our website, and, and there you can, you know, there you'll see email addresses, et cetera. And it's uh, www.1st, for first, and then SSS, Sam, 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 .com. Um, So those are the best ways to reach us. And uh, people can call for either Stephanie or me or anyone else that's available in our team to, you know, answer any questions. And we always give free consultation calls to anyone. So I don't think anyone should embark on a CMBS assumption without at least giving us the call. You have nothing to, nothing to lose and you know, we can equip you with information. So always happy to help. There you go. Anne and Stephanie, thanks so much for the time. Uh, really a valuable resource. So I'd recommend uh, that a lot of folks reach out to you uh, and, and not just from, you know, our discussion today, but also, you know, I know you're, well-connected in the industry. Uh, you've, you've been around for a while. You have a load of experience. So thanks again for your time, and I look forward to our next conversation. Our pleasure, Mark. Thank you very much. Thank you.